Sometimes it's easier to describe what something is by describing what something is not. I feel like sermons to some degree are like that. Because just as, say, communion is the centerpiece of Catholic worship, the sermon is the centerpiece of the Protestant worship service. Interesting. Why is that? There's a good reason why. And it comes down to the main difference between Catholics and Protestants in the first place. It's the age-old question of grace versus works. Grace versus works. Because in their mind, communion is a work. It's where your participation in this ritual increases your righteousness. And your righteousness is mingled with uh, Christ, and that's what saves you. The Bible, on the other hand, teaches that our righteousness comes from Jesus Christ alone. That important word that the Reformation brought us, alone. Christ alone. As Philippians 3 verse 9 tells us, we do not have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. It doesn't get much more clear than that. And we've been covering that theme over the last couple of sermons in this series. So therefore, communion, as beautiful and wonderful as it is, isn't this mystical ritual that automatically increases your righteousness and brings you closer to salvation. Because literally nothing does that. Literally nothing does that. Our salvation is bought and completed already. As Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. There's no more work to be done. And so, now I'm not saying that communion is bad. Please do not hear that. It's such a wonderful and beautiful part of our worship. But, that, but it doesn't justify it being the centerpiece of our worship, even if it's a valued and glorious part of it. I hope that makes sense. So if salvation isn't what we're here for, we're not here to, we don't gather here every week to be saved or to work towards our salvation, what are we here for? Why are you here at our church this morning? If it's not salvation, it's sanctification. It's the process of becoming more like Christ, letting the Holy Spirit have his perfect work in your life. So we're, not, so we're not here working to be saved, but to worship, to praise God, to grow intellectually in our knowledge of God, and to be challenged to take our faith beyond the walls of this building and into our community that so desperately needs this. And my goodness, that's all the things that our reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us the word of God does for each of us. I mean, just look at what this verse says the Word of God does. It says it is profitable for teaching, and that's exalting God in our minds. That's an act of worship of itself. It brings reproof and correction. That's repentance. That's another act of worship. That you may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
In other words, that you have everything you need from the word of God as a Christian for, to, to complete what you need for your faith, to grow in Christ. You could be marooned on a desert island with nothing but your Bible and discover all the truths that we are discussing today. It's true. Now, nothing else in all of God's creation does all of that other than the word of God. Now, hymns are wonderful. We talked about how great they were last week. But you'll never be equipped for every good work through singing alone. As wonderful as the truths proclaimed in the hymns are, it's, it's not quite enough. That's why Martin Luther, the reformer, said that music is second to the word of God for that reason. The call to worship, the prayers, the creeds, none of those things do all the things that Paul assures us the scriptures do for each of us, which is why we give it so much time and attention in our worship service, because nothing else does all of it like the sermon does. And um, I'd like to give it even more time in our service, but I want to be respectful of our, our culture here in South Amboy. Now, now the purpose of the sermon is this to proclaim and explain the word of God that is read and proclaimed. Uh, so, So that we would worship God in our hearts, in our minds, and gain those benefits we discussed in 2 Timothy. And again, Scripture is what I'm trying to elevate from this pulpit. This is the message and all that's within it that I'm trying to proclaim. Not myself, Not my philosophy, not my ideas, but scripture and its message of the gospel and salvation. You know, plenty of people come behind a pulpit, many even right now as I'm speaking, bringing all their own ideas, their own politics, their own social agendas, coming from the pulpits every, every, every Sunday, giving, sometimes just giving a pop psychology motivational talk rather than the word of God. Just good thoughts, but not necessarily biblical truths. And, and, and they call it a sermon because at the, end of their ser- at the end of their talk, they just kind of slap a Bible verse at the end of it, often taken out of context that doesn't tie into what you're actually trying to communicate. And sadly, that's how many Protestant churches function today. It's true. There have been many churches, seminaries, even whole denominations that have essentially abandoned the proclaiming of the word of God and have opted for an emphasis on politics and social agendas And it's no coincidence that that's usually when those organizations begin to decline in their, not just their membership, but their influence and their ability to impact people for the things that matter of the kingdom of God. But interestingly enough, when the word of God is rediscovered, it's amazing how in many of those places, revival breaks out. I mean, you look at your histories, you see that's what happens in many of the, in the Great Awakenings, in the Welsh Revival, even in the, what the, the mini revival we call the Jesus Movement that happened in the, in the 60s out in the West. 
what happened? The word of God was rediscovered in many of those churches. The gospel was being proclaimed again and not just pop psychology. And even as early as the 60s in that mini revival I was talking about, the hippies got their hands on, on the word of God. They started reading it. They started proclaiming it. They started telling their friends that Jesus loves them, has a plan for their life, wants to forgive them, has paid the price on the cross for all of their sins. That message broke forth like wildfire in each of those circumstances. Now, I can't stand up here and give you a simple equation and promise that that's going to happen just, just because the word of God is proclaimed. But I can assure you that it can't happen. It can't happen unless the word of God is being proclaimed. Where God's, God's word is honored. And I want to give those churches whom I disagree with the benefit of the doubt as much as possible. I, I believe that they go political because they think, they're convinced that talking about politics and social agendas are the best thing for their, for their congregation. But it's not. It really isn't. The goal of the pastor and the sermon isn't to motivate you to political action. That's not my goal. It's to correctly explain and proclaim God's word, what God has to say to his church. Explain what it means and how it applies to our lives. And if that has political connotations to it and implications, so be it. But that's not my focus. That's not what I'm coming up here week after week to do. And I get it. I, I, I'd love to do a series of teachings on politics and social issues of our day. There's a lot of things wrong in our culture these days. There's a lot of things wrong in our political system these days. There's a lot of things that need to be addressed, but this isn't the place to do it. It would make for a great seminar or a conference or even an adult Bible, um, an adult Sunday school class or something like that, but not, I, I don't think it, this is the place for that kind of an emphasis. Now, for clarity, of course, I'll address a, a, top, a topic that needs to be addressed. Sometimes the times demand an answer. The very first time I stood from this pulpit as your pulpit supply pastor was, when, was right after COVID-19 when we first opened up. We couldn't ignore the elephant in the room. We talked about that. When the riots broke out across the states, you know, later on, we talked about that. But I didn't just give you a political talk and slap some Bible verses at the end. I talked about how what God's word says to each of those situations. I, I didn't give a COVID-19 update. I, I talked about how God has promised to provide for us, how he's promised to take care of us and give us peace, even in the face of death. But then quickly went back to teaching the scriptures because that is what I believe is truly best for all of us. Because when you just jump from topic to topic endlessly, the pastor can just talk about whatever he wants. Whatever topics seem easiest to talk about. But sometimes the most needed topics to discuss are the ones that are in scripture, but are easy to pass over. 
to just kind of like, uh, yeah, that one's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that this week. Let's, let's go to something else. Because honestly, you know, it's tough sometimes as a, as a people pleaser personality type like myself. You know, it, can, it was hard to teach the, through Matthew when it talked about the narrow gate that leads to life and the wide way that leads to destruction. That's a hard topic to talk about. But it was also one of the most needful topics for us to discuss. And because we, we committed, we're going right through the scriptures, I couldn't just skip over that. We had to deal with it. And we're all the better off for it. And the word of God does things to you when we go through a text together. I mean, when you have your Bible open as we're going through a biblical text, as we're going line by line through a, through a section, um, and you're reading, around, reading along with me, you're making connections too. I mean, you're seeing things that you've never seen before. You're making observations. You're making applications to your own life. Not even things that I'm saying, but the Holy Spirit is having a private conversation with you, pointing out things in your own life that need to be adjusted or repented of or more fully engaged in or, may, or coming to understandings of who God is that you never made a connection about before. And that's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through his word. And you're also discovering that the Bible is not some mysterious book that you need years of higher education to be able to understand. Nine times out of ten, you look down and you know what it means. It says love your enemies. What does that mean? It means love your enemies. That's not hard to understand. Sure is hard to do, but it's not hard to understand. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives that allows us to be able to do that. So that's what we're discovering together as a, as a church, as a congregation. Now, there is this middle way between topical and verse-by-verse teaching called a lectionary that gives you like a plan of the scriptures to go through. Of like, okay, these are the scriptures you're going to go through and in this order that a lot of pastors go through. A lot of pastors do this from the pulpit. Our very denomination is a very big fan of this style, and I think it's better than having no plan. But you still aren't forced to address certain sections because it's easy to skip over sections as you're going about that way or underemphasize or overemphasize certain areas. And there's entire books of the Bible usually that are omitted on that plan, so you never get to those sections. So... My personal conviction is that the church should strive to be like Paul, who who told the Ephesians in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's my heart's conviction. So John, I know you're going through this, why do we do this series, but why are you saying all of this? Why are you going so in depth about this? Well, because I really want you guys to know what a real good sermon looks like. Because odds are, you're not going to be in this church forever. Or, I'm not going to be in this church forever. I have no intention of leaving, but I could get hit by a bus on Broadway later. It's possible. Or you might move away someday and you're church shopping again. And so it's good to know, to understand these principles. 
A lot of people think that a sermon is a good one just because it was entertaining. It's not always. It just meant it was entertaining. It doesn't necessarily mean it was powerful or scriptural or for your good. Likewise, a sermon that moves you to political action or moves you emotionally is also not necessarily a good one. It ought to be. From time to time, it, it, it must, but not always. But one where you are challenged to grow through the word of God being proclaimed, explained, and applied, that's a good sermon where Christ is exalted and you guys are challenged. That's a good sermon. That's the sign of a good one. Now, why do I need a sermon in the first place, though? Can't I just read my Bible at home? Sounds like that's really what you're getting at here. It's the powers in the Word, right? Why can't I just do read my own Bible plan? And that's the beauty of it. You can. I, I owe to God that all of us are regularly in the scriptures and that we're all in a Bible reading plan of some kind this year. I certainly hope you are, but Christianity is not a single player game. Now, this has been a theme over the last couple of weeks and months in this church, that we are called to be a community, that we're all in this together, and that we ought to be serving one another, using our each unique gifts for our own mutual benefit. And we are, frankly, arrogant and delusional if we don't think we need each other. We all do, myself included. My particular gift, my particular contribution to this church is teaching because that's what God has gifted me to do and equipped me to do for this season. That's why I do it, and I love it. But you do not want me in charge of church finances. (laughs) You do not want me in the organizational stuff. I am happy to delegate that stuff to you guys. Elaine, Mary, I don't know how you guys do what you do. God bless you. And you guys are all the better off that my hands have nothing to do with those things. So in light of that, my calling, my goal, my desire is to come alongside you guys using the gift that God has given me to come alongside you and help and help in the ways that I can, and encouraging you with the scriptures. On top of what you're doing yourself, finding the truths of your own in the word of God. I mean, think about it, though. We can all cook at home, too, can't we? Some of us are better than others. And every once in a while, it sure is nice to get a meal prepared by somebody else, isn't it? especially for somebody who loves cooking and really enjoys making a particular dish, knows exactly how to season it so that it's delicious and someone, and you just bite into it and you know, oh man, that was good. It's the same way with the scriptures. It's good to enjoy something that somebody else has prepared every once in a while from someone who loves to do what they do. And especially in both cooking and preaching, if it was prepared with you in mind. How's that for a truth? (laughs) Well, John, that might be true, but I listen online to a lot of really talented pastors. Many of them are better than you are. So why do I need a local pastor? And you know what? Person who says that is right. 
I can't compete with a lot of those guys on the radio and television. I mean, one of my own personal heroes of the faith has had a teaching ministry for over 50 years behind a pulpit. I can't compete with that guy in terms of academics, his intellect, his oratory skills. There's no comparison, no comparison at all. But Pastor Vody Bauckham, who is one of those guys, by the way, one of these big-name guys, once said that our understanding of this is completely wrong, if that's how we think. Here's why. He says, that guy on the radio has no idea who you are and no idea what the spiritual climate in your city looks like, no matter how gifted they are. And look, I love those commentary writing, conference speaking pastors. I am a beneficiary of their intellect and their skills. I read their stuff and as best as I can, you know, pass it on to you guys. But they don't know what's going on in this city. They don't know what's going on in this church. The particular things going on here, First Presbyterian South Amboy. And they certainly don't know what's going on with you personally. And they don't nuance their sermon illustrations based off of what some of you guys are going through. And moreover, you can't call those guys in the middle of the night when you need prayer. You can't um, reach out and ask for their advice with something going on in your family. They're not going to be at your hospital bed if you get sick. And they're certainly not going to stand beside you at your spouse's funeral. However, the local pastor will. And rest assured, I will be. That's why all this stuff for me personally about these super large ministries and these online only churches that are popping up all over the place, I can't make sense of them. I mean, it's literally impossible for somebody to pastor 30,000 people. I can't remember all of your names, much less 30,000 people. Especially since these, these guys haven't met most all of them. So yeah, I'm not the greatest orator you'll ever hear. But the internationally renowned pastor in far more ways, cannot compete with the local pastor. As Pastor Vodibacham said, we need to change our mindset for this. And that's why it's so important to be part of a local church, a local church community, where the pastor knows you, who knows your area, who knows your culture, who prepares his sermons with you guys in mind every week with applications and stories that have been thought through, how you guys are going to receive it. So the sermon, that's why we do this. Um, It's not some antiquated model, but the sermon as a proper presentation of the word of God is more relevant and needed now more than ever, especially with the need rising all the more to go through the scriptures and not just lightly touch on them. So let's allow God's word to have its sanctifying effect on the church. And let's see what God is going to do for us as individuals, as a church, and in this whole region, in this city, 
in this year ahead. Thanks be to God. Amen.